Top Shelf with Brendan Myers and Declan Langbaki starts right now. Back here on Thursday afternoon, it's NFL Draft Night, so we have a special edition of Top Shelf coming your way. Declan Langbaki just finished up class out there on the West Coast. I got class in a little bit, but we had to do an NFL Draft Special Edition, didn't we, Declan? We did. It was absolutely brutal class this morning. I did not get my full eight hours uh, also had to do a presentation, which I stumbled through with my group. So that was great. Looking forward to this well, now. Well, what I, what I imagine is pretty tough for you is you're obviously on the West Coast, so all your class times are essentially moved back three hours. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel that struggle. That's 740. Like, I used to enjoy the 7 o'clock classes, the 730 classes, because – you know, it started my day off, and then I was done with my day by – if I had a class right after, I was done with my day by 10.30. You know, you can't right. beat that. But I've come to realize I really enjoy – or I really, you know, treasure my sleep, uh, especially because I'm sort of a night owl. I do a lot of my work at night. Uh, that's just one – because – during the day, there's so much you can do, right? You can go out and play soccer. You can go for a run. You can sit, bask in the sunlight, all these things. And then it's like at night is when you should be getting work done because what else do you have to do? You know, that's. Well, I mean, I could say this confidently. And, you know, I really, really like you and enjoy your company. But you have one of the worst sleep schedules I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, you're getting your you're getting your work done at night, but you have an absolutely atrocious sleep this schedule. This is not not consistent, no routine. You're going on four hours sleep most of the time. I see you. <laughs> the amount of times where it's just I'm looking like I've been in a crack den uh, too often. But I will say, I will say, this is the social distancing is helping because it's like, I mean, I have to get up by like nine just about every morning because either I have a phone call with someone or something because everyone else is two, three hours ahead. So and and right now the draft is going to be starting at five my time, which is like it's basically happy hour, I guess. Yeah, I've always thought that it's easier to be a West Coast sports fan because you don't have to stay up for anything, which it, which, I mean, I just insulted your sleep schedule. I have a consistent sleep schedule, but I go to sleep ridiculously early. Yeah. So st- staying up's never been my thing. So I would imagine that I'd be better suited as a West Coast sports fan. You actually definitely you definitely would. I actually just am thinking about this now. Yeah, we should definitely switch places. Uh, yeah. The only time you have to stay up for an event on the West Coast is when it's the Prem and you don't want to wake up at 4.30 a.m., so you you just stay up till four thirty a.m. Again, I would wake up. I wouldn't stay up, but that's just yeah. A personal but preference. yeah, you'd also go to bed at nine p.m., which I think is impossible for me. Yeah, I mean, you do you, I do me, and you know, and then we talk about it on top shelf. Yeah, one's not better than the other. It's just different. Can I give you what I'm? I, there's a couple things that I'm really looking forward to in tonight's draft, and it's got nothing to do with who's actually getting drafted go ahead the first thing is i am anxious to see which team tries to manipulate this virtual draft by you know coincidentally having a glitch while they're on the clock and they get a you know maybe two or three extra minutes to make a decision so i'm looking for that looking for which gm tries to manipulate the virtual aspect of this draft and i'm also this isn't going to be answered tonight 
I'm looking for which GMs a year or two down the road use an excuse for a poor draft pick. That it was, you know, this whole scouting process was going on. Mm -hmm. They couldn't accurately scout. And I want to see who doesn't get on the hot seat because they are getting a pass because the scouting process was very different this time It's so funny because a take I've heard is, you know, what if the GMs mess it, like the GMs may mess it up because of how different this all is. But it's like, I'd say at, a, a lot of GMs mess up anyway. I, right, which is what I'm saying. I want to know who makes a really bad pick regardless mm-hmm. of whether this is a virtual draft or not. The one player I would be more inclined to give a pass on a GM is Tua because the biggest question with him is not football talent. It is the medical. And I don't know how accurate the information but I, I'm basically just not sure on the amount of scouting that was able to be done because they really couldn't meet him in person and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no, and the in the eye test for the most part. Well, uh, with an injury like that, the eye test is critical. Uh, right, because it's, it's a very serious injury. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a sprained MCL well, or something. It's, it's nothing like it's that. Like uh, so much of his mobility and his strength right. is his ability to sort of shift in the pocket and move around in the pocket, and that's dramatically altered when you have uh, hip problems. You can't move laterally mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's a big concern. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited for this as well i would give a pass if you'd selected to it too early um it, you know injuries it'd be like selecting greg odin if if right you know like that's... it's a it in theory it's a great pick like greg odin probably would have been dominant at least he showed he showed flashes when he was even 80 percent playing for the blazers yeah, and that's the thing is i i think it's kind of unfair that greg odin gets the biggest bust label. A bust? Because yeah. A bust is you the, not performing. Yeah. Jamarcus Russell for the Raiders was a bust. Yeah. That's a bust. Greg Oden had very unfortunate injuries. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a tough situation. But we're just – we're not going to do anything crazy on the show. We're just going to, you know, go over who we think is going to go in the top ten, some prospects that we think are going to rise, and some prospects that we think – are going to fall throughout the first round. Mm. Obviously, we'll do a more in-depth recap of the draft next Tuesday for our normally scheduled episode that will be out next Wednesday. But let's get right into it, Declan. I think we're both in agreement. First two picks, Cincinnati at one, Washington at two, Joe Burrow, Chase Young, respectively. I I haven't seen any mock draft. I haven't seen any insider information that that will not end up being the case with Burrow and Young going one. No doubt. that Like, that's a lock. It'd be madness chaos if that does not happen but actually i i just lied because i I obviously follow the giants on social media and pro football focus and their mock drafts they're they base it more off the numbers and analytics and and stuff metrics like that but they actually had chase young slipping to the giants at four which if that happens I, i wouldn't even know how to react you'd be you'd be so happy yeah, because you Young, need – I mean, it's your number one need. Yeah. Uh, and th- the thing is, 
is that like I was talking about this with the NBA draft. Like Zion Williamson and John Morant were franchise changing yeah. players. Like like RJ Baird is, is going to be a good solid pro, but the first two were franchise changing players. To me, Chase Young is in that mold of a franchise changing. So player. here's so if yeah. he slipped down to four for the Giants, man, I don't even know what I. Here's would. here's my take. My take is, I don't think Joe Burrow is a top three candidate. I don't if if I'm drafting on sure things alone, I, it goes Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, Jeff Okuda for me. Well, the thing is, is that Joe Burrow to me, of all the quarterbacks, and I'm talking purely football skills. Like, forget to his injury concerns for a second. Of all the quarterbacks in this draft, I think that Joe Burrow has the lowest floor. Like, I think he's probably the safest pick as far as quarterbacks for this. He might not have as high a ceiling as some of the other guys, like Herbert and Tua. Again, forget the injuries for Mm -hmm. a second. But to me, Joe Burrow is going to be a solid franchise quarterback for the next however many years. And that's why I think he's, you know, the number one overall pick. He's coming off of the one of the best, if not the best, statistical season in college football history by any quarterback. And coming off the Heisman, performed in the national championship game. He's just got so much momentum. And I think he proved to a lot of people – that he has those skills. He's got the leadership ability. He's got the accuracy. He, he's very poised as a quarterback, and I think he's a pretty pretty sure thing. And I'm one. not disagreeing with any of that. I I agree. I think Joe Burrow can make all the throws. Uh, I think he processes defense as well. He he can do pre snap alterations with the best of them. My whole, but in terms of Overall production, just who has the lowest floor in the whole draft for all of the all of the uh, all of the draftees. I think you got. I think it's Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, Jeff Okuda. Like th- those those guys. Is those the, those wait, three no, are for sure. At least I think each one of them gets at least one Pro Bowl. I think. I think. They probably get five Pro Bowls each of them. Um, if you're sen- so, so you're saying that they have the 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 highest floor. Yeah, you know what highest I mean? highest okay. floor. All right. Uh, and also, I would also go on to say they probably have the highest ceiling, other than Tua. I think, or and Jerry Judy. I think they probably have the highest ceiling. Actually, no, Jack. I think Ceedee Lamb has about the same ceiling as Judy, but we'll get into that later. Chase Young, hot take. I'd take him first. I, I, I mean, I get if you think Burrow's the guy, go ahead. But Chase Young gets you two two extra wins. I honestly think just from his impact on defense. Uh. No, but I I think most consider like if you look at the big boards, I think Chase Young is number yeah. one. Like if you if you're just ranking overall prospects, Chase Young probably is the best NFL prospect in this draft. But you can't ignore the importance of a quarterback, which is and which, you you don't want to continue to plan to have these number one overall picks. Which is why I think that if you see a guy who you think can be your franchise quarterback, I think you have to which go Which goes back to your interpretation of the Giants last year selecting Daniel Jones. 
Yeah, he, Gettleman got a lot of heat that he took Jones at six and not at 17. But I'm of the mindset that if you think you have your franchise quarterback, the most important position in sports, you take him when you have your first available pick. You don't gamble because I think, and it kind of came out after the draft last year, more teams liked Jones than originally had been anticipated. So you just don't know. You don't take that gamble. You don't wait until you have another pick. You take your franchise quarterback or a guy that you think can be a franchise quarterback as soon as possible. I think that's totally fair. In my mind, with the surplus of good quarterbacks that we have right now, uh, Cam Newton is still available. I wouldn't say Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. Well, I would. it's funny you say that because I would argue the opposite because right now I think that Cam Newton's biggest concern is the injuries. I think teams are probably worried, can he play another full season, a full 16-game season? which he's going to warrant a lot of money, and deservingly so. He's, he's an MVP. He you know, took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. He's a very good quarterback. But if you're paying him that kind of money, you expect him to be on the field for all 16 games, which I think teams are worried about. So I would argue that Jameis is actually the better of those two I, free agent quarterback options. That's If you're playing to win, which you should be, Cam's the better quarterback. There's, I don't even understand what you're saying right now. I'm sorry. If you give Cam Newton that money, and he's he's been injury prone, so you give him he's that been money injury prone again uh, at, when he's playing with a crappy line. He's basically playing with a porous line. Uh, but anyway, I think chase you get chase young you maybe sign one of those quarterbacks out in the market you have yourself an eight and eight season and then you you're you're saying this is what you think cincinnati should do i'm saying i i would honestly think about it but then also if you're washington i think if if joe burrow's available you say no still and you take isaiah simmons and then if you're Detroit, I would think about it, but I'd take Okuda because I also think he has a higher ceiling in terms of overall production or a higher floor than overall production and higher ceiling than Joe Burrow. I, I think Joe Burrow is going to be a fine pro. I don't think he's going to be as good at his position as Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, and Jeff Okuda will be. <laughs> The only one I would argue is Jeff Okuda. Um, I I can't. It's, to me, Joe Burrow is a lock for number one. Oh, I think he, you I, need to take the franchise. I think he quarterback. will be taking number one for sure. And I'm not going to criticize that. I think if you're of that mindset, go for it. And if you're convinced he's the guy, go for it. Especially like Ohio kid, Ohio team. Yeah, it it's. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, it's just, it's the same thing too. Chase Young's a Maryland kid, so he, you yeah, know, from that, baby, from that D, yeah, DMV area. So, Shout out you know, to DMV. The first we got a lot of love for the DMV. Be homecoming. So that's nice for the so first two picks. Here's how should we go? Pick. I think it's going. We both think it's going. Burrow, Chase Young, Okuda. Right, but the problem then lies is if Detroit trades this pick, there's going to be chaos. Yes. I'm not unconvinced 
I think I don't know if Detroit is all the way sold on Tua. Obviously, there's there have been the rumors like there has not been as much talk, as much chatter, you know, as as in previous years when it's in person. Maybe that's because there hasn't been the uh, the in person activities that we've had to forego because of social distancing. But I feel like there's been less chatter overall, just in terms of moves that might be made and what everyone's thinking. I think I think Miami's set on Tua. I will say that. Um, I. Do you do you think they wait until five that, to take Tua, or do you think they get aggressive and move do, up? To do three? you think they send? I could see them sending their uh, their eighteen and twenty six to Detroit if because if if you're Miami and you think Detroit might take Tua at three, how do you entice them? But but I don't I don't think Detroit would be looking to take Tua at three. I think the the why Miami would move up if, if they think the Chargers are going to move up or if they think another team in the quarterback market is going to move up. I don't think Detroit has any intention on taking a quarterback. You see, that's where I, I think they they're starting to look to replace Matthew Stafford. He's he's getting older, but I do think they are. I think they're looking to replace Stafford because he's getting old, and I mean. I feel like he's fragile, even though he hasn't had many injuries in the past how many years. But it he just gives me he doesn't give the yield man uh, impression off, and I think Detroit Detroit's dysfunctional. So I think they would honestly do it. I just think they traded away Darius Slay. They have an opportunity to get Jeff Okuda. Unless they trade with Miami or the Chargers to to basically add up on assets and take advantage, quite frankly, of a team looking for a quarterback, I think they're taking a coup at three, especially because they made the offseason trade that sent Darius yeah. Slay to Philadelphia. So they're looking to replace Well, here's the, the question. For, do you think the Chargers trade up? Who do they, who do they trade if they trade up and they think to as the guy? Like what assets you have, Keenan? Can I be honest? Can I be honest with you for a second? I think if if Miami trades up, I think it's for Tua. I think if the Chargers trade up, it's for Herbert. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I think that's. I mean, Herbert tore up my Wisconsin Badgers in the Rose Bowl, um, but that's also just a bunch of slow defensive linemen and linebackers coming at you in the NFL. My only my only concern with Herbert, to be honest, is the thing with Marcus Mariota. I, at Oregon, a lot of the reads are made for you, and the court obviously there's a lot of thinking because there's just naturally a lot of thinking in in the position of quarterback. But Justin Herbert, I, I respect him a lot because he had a completion percentage in the mid fifties as a junior, came back one more year, ramped it up all the way close to sixty seven percent. There's a lot of talent there. But I think Justin Herbert's success at the next level is is going to be can he be a little bit more independent and make more decisions mm. on his own rather than being a reactive quarterback? Because I think a lot of the 
you know, it's Oregon's offense. There's a lot of quick throws, and Herbert's got a strong arm. He could definitely make the deep ball throw, but if you watch, a lot of them kind of sit up in the air, and he's got a little bit of arc, which doesn't make sense because he has just a strong arm. I think Justin Herbert can be a very solid starting quarterback in the NFL, but it's dependent Are on Are we in agreement that Tua has the highest ceiling out of all the quarterbacks in this draft? Probably. I, th- I think other than his height, he's. I think he's got the best physical tool set as far as like quick release, you know, arm strength, accuracy. Uh, he's got good mobility, but again, it's all dependent on how that hip recovers. But yeah, I, I could subscribe if, to the theory if, that if, Tua has if the he, highest ceiling. Yeah, if he remains healthy, which is sort of like part of the ceiling. That's also like, he probably has the, yeah. he might have the lowest floor too. Because of that, because of that injury, Which, strictly yeah. because of the injury, yeah, exactly. Because of the injury. But that's all things you take into account. Yeah, because I I know he had an an all time wide receiver corpse and Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, uh, Judy, and Henry Ruggs. So obviously, you know the the dude had any type of Plus so much talent a great to throw line. to. But right, and what I would counter is that. Alabama was a ground and pound team before Tua. Even with Jalen Hurts, they were ground and pound. A lot of quarterback draws. Tua, Nick Saban, Steve and the Alabama Sarkeesian. coaching staff changed the yeah changed the entire philosophy of the Alabama offense to mold around Tua's talent. And I think that says a lot because Nick Saban isn't yeah, changing so I, much. Yeah, I could have said it better myself, Brendan. I mean, well done. I so and. If the Chargers take Herbert, I or if the if we're going with this idea that the Chargers would take Herbert, I don't think they trade up for Herbert because once Tua had their eyes were basically made it known they were tanking for Tua last year when they traded away uh, they traded for Josh Rosen, which was you know. They trade away all their talent and got a load of picks. They they are they were taken for Tua last year. I think the injury may alter that. Uh, I think there's someone in the five to ten range that is interested in Tua, and that's why his Wonderlick score came out, which was reportedly thirteen. The average Wonderlick score is twenty. Um, I think someone in five to ten range might be after him, but I think Dolphins are probably set. Um, so, do you think the Dolphins yeah. are staying at five? I think it's unless they feel like the Chargers are trading up, which is just like that would just be stupid. I think everyone can stay put, and they're more—they're probably going to get who they want. All right, so right now, Burrow one, Chase Young two. Do you have the Lions? Yes, and then I have Isaiah Simmons to the Giants, though Gettleman might switch it up. I don't know who he – he could go Derek Brown. But no, no, I I think – no, no. I think there's a chance. No. I'm just – the that's the Giants' only position on defense that they're stacked at is defensive tackle. Like, there would be literally zero reason to go with Derrick Brown. And he's a great great player. The thing, Isaiah Simmons, obviously, 
is is kind of the sexy pick for Giants fans. He's he's the he's best pro- player. He's, the- he's going to be the best player available right. for. It's not like he's the sexy pick. It's like that's that's the no, but no, but the the thing is the reason why it's a sexy pick is because if the Giants don't take Isaiah Simmons, it's not necessarily that they made the wrong pick because they the past two first rounds Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. So it would make sense that Gettleman looks to uh, build off that and give those two uh, very solid. I mean, Saquon's a superstar, and I think Daniel Jones can continue to grow and be a solid NFL quarterback. So it makes sense that you start to give him and give those two the protection they need. So just because they don't take Isaiah Simmons doesn't mean to me that he made the wrong pick. Derek Brown is the wrong pick. But if Gettleman decides to go with Wirfs from Iowa, uh, Jedrick Wills, or I'm Kai Becton. I don't think that's the wrong pick. You don't like Andrew Thomas? It's not that I don't like him. I the other three, I just fair I enough. like more. Yeah, fair enough. You. It, it, it's nothing against Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas is very offended. He's definitely calling into the show next time. Yeah, I, I know. I know he's he's a big listener to the show. But <laughs> if I were the Giants, I'd go Tristan Wirfs. You um, if they elect not to go Isaiah it, Simmons. If okay, they all right, to yeah, thank Simmons. you, thank you, thank you. But to me, Isaiah, the Giants have not had a defensive playmaker, in my opinion, since the, the 2011 Super Bowl. And, and those play, that pass rush. So I think Isaiah Simmons is what the fan base craves because it has been um, a, an area where the Giants have been so weak during these past few years of struggling. They just don't have playmakers mm-hmm. on defense, so... If they go Isaiah Simmons or if they go with one of the offensive tackles, I won't be mad either way. If they go Derek Brown, I Looking will be further mad. down the draft for the Giants specifically, do you think they look for another safety? Are you happy with Jabril Peppers? I'm happy with Jabril Peppers, but the Giants also have a contract decision to make because he's he's going to be up for, I believe, the fifth-year option. And then they're go- if they pick him up for the fifth-year option, then they're probably going to look – to to sign him. I think Jabril Peppers came in, obviously, with the ridiculous athleticism, a a track star in high school, and kind of played all over the place at Michigan. So he was kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of Mm -hmm. none. And I I think he's only continued to get better as he specializes as a safety Mm -hmm. in the NFL. So I think each year you're going to see improvement. I'm good. I like the James Bradbury signing. I think the secondary is a little bit more shirt up because now DeAndre Baker doesn't need to be the the corner lining up against a, a team's best receiver, particularly after the Giants dumped Janoris Jenkins. So I'm good with the secondary. I'm, with, what I'm looking for with the Giants is improve the offensive line with the tackles. Obviously, you have the opportunity to, to do it at four, but there's a lot of depth yeah, there's, in this draft. You're looking at a guy like there's four Ezra very There's Boise four State. very good offensive linemen in the in the top – I'd say the top 15 of this prospects of this draft. And I think if Gettleman wants to make a move, I think he very well could. If he, if he goes for Isaiah Simmons at four and, and still wants an OL, which I think you guys need. Yeah. Yeah. And especially cause you do have a pick at the top of the second round. So they could use it on a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU um, Cesar Ruiz, the center for Michigan, has gotten a lot of respect during the pre-draft process. So the Giants have options. I'm looking for, can you get me, Dave Gettleman, can you get me a a defensive playmaker 
And can you bolster the offensive line? Those are the two things that I'm looking for the Giants to improve upon in this draft. So, again, I, I think they'll go um, Tristan mm-hmm. Wirfs. But if they went Isaiah Simmons, not going to complain. If they go Jedrick Wills, not going to complain. If they go Andrew Thomas, I wouldn't even complain. And if they go Mekhi Becton, I think it's the riskiest of those four because I think Mekhi Becton is, is the one that needs to be coached the most. And I'm not quite sure if the Giants have the infrastructure in place to develop mm. him. I think, but even even if they go back, to listen. I think play. you guys got. There's also like late round offensive linemen. I'll tell you one thing: Tyler Bedaz out of uh, out of Wisconsin, obviously. I think he's going to be a surefire starter when he gets the chance, and I think he'll be available in rounds two, in the later rounds. I'll say so. You could still mm-hmm. wait on that pick, but. Yeah, I think Tristan Wirfs is – everyone loves the guy. I mean, he's he's probably going to perform like a Mack truck and just do his job day in, day out. Um, yeah, plus, plus with him you do get the versatility that you could plug him in at right tackle until you decide to move on from Nate Solder. So there there are five players in the first round that if the Giants elect to state for that – I don't see how any fan could be well, mad. Do you at think Gettleman. he trades the pick? If he takes, if he takes, you said if they stay at four, how likely do you think it is that they stay at four? I think it's like I thought it was a surefire thing, but you never know with Gettleman. I don't know about I don't know about surefire. It, it's definitely a possibility. But w- one thing I do agree with with Dave Gettleman on, he said it. He's like, you don't want to risk trading down too low and then missing out on some of these guys because if you trade too far down, I'm talking in the the low teens. Uh, even the mid-teens, you're sure as hell not Yeah, there's a, in, there's a drop and, in, in what the floor is. And th- there's, a, there's a good chance that you miss out on all four of the tackles if you trade yeah. down into you, the low You don't want to risk the drop in quality for sure. So right now, top five, I have Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Akuda. I thought – I think Isaiah Simmons, but also, yeah, it could be it could be worth, worth uh, and then Tua – here, but once again, what Detroit does is is so critical because if everyone stays put and the Chargers are there at six, I think it's Herbert or or Worfs. I think Herbert is probably the priority, um, though it's it's an odd time, right? Because the Chargers sort of have a win now roster. They do, and that's why they might look to take a, a quarterback that they could really you know, build on that. Or momentum. do, or they also could take a guy like Worfs if she's on the board. Cause they, they could use an offensive lineman. They take Worfs, uh, and then try and sign Jameis or cam. But also from, from what I hear, they do believe in Tyrod Taylor, at least a little bit. And I, I've, you know me, I'm a Tyrod Taylor guy. I think he's never gotten his full chance. And when he did get his chance, he was pretty successful. Um, especially in a system that didn't really play to his strengths. But that's for a later debate. After I think then it's just uh at off at seven, we have Carolina Panthers. I they need interior linemen. I think they could go Derek Brown. Yeah, that I mean that could definitely happen. I, I think Arizona also might look at, at a guy like Derek. Derek Brown, but I could definitely see uh, Matt Rule looking to, you know, sure things up. 
on the interior because I'm I've always been a guy that even in this this new school age of football where it's past having everything, I think every successful team is solid in the trenches, regardless if they're a pass first or run first team. And I think it's important to to build your line. So I think Matt Rule and his first year as head coach could could be saying, let's shore up the trenches yeah, and take I Derek think Brown. I'm with you. I, I've always been a build the line first because you don't want to put your quarterback out there who's just – and he just gets blown over. You look what happens with Cleveland. I mean, part of it is just the playmaking decisions have been awful. But on the other hand, Baker Mayfield hasn't had more than two seconds uh, in the pocket. So I definitely yeah. – I think I think a, a sleepy candidate for Carolina, and this might be a little bit high for him, is C.J. Henderson from Florida. Because mm. obviously we're we're assuming that Jeff Okuda is off the board at this point. Carolina did lose their their starting cornerback in free agency, James Bradbury. We just said uh, signed with the Giants, so I, I could see a situation where C.J. Henderson gets taken at seven, but that is high, and the Panthers might feel that they have more pressing needs. But I'm just going to say that that's as We'll say a sneaky game. Yeah, I think that Arizona goes offensive lineman. I think Jacksonville probably also goes offensive lineman. Uh, And then Cleveland as well. I think we're going to have three straight offensive linemen drafted. To me, Jacksonville is such a a tough one to predict because they need so much. Like, they, they don't have a clear need. Because Yannick Ngakwe wants to go. There's all these rumors about Leonard Fournette. The Jalen Ramsey's gone. AJ Bouye's gone. It's, like all these guys are gone. They the need the funniest thing about this, it's just a satirical position because there's there's so many seemingly dysfunctional franchises, and they could just blow everything out of the water. Because of they're just so dysfunctional, they may just do something that no one's expecting. Like if Jacksonville draft like CD Lamb at nine, I don't think I don't think anyone would be like, "Well, that's stupid." But it's also like you need so much more. Um, yeah, to me, to me, drafting a wide receiver, like like to me, a wide receiver is a position that. You, you draft and you build up when everything else is already built. Like, to me, that's mm. kind of like the icing on the cake. Is like we're, we're comfortable with everything else. Now let's go get a especially, playmaker for the outside. Yeah, especially when you have like – you, you know you're going to have good prospects coming out of LSU and Clemson, especially LSU next year. Clemson next – Clemson always mm-hmm. produces. Alabama, I think – I mean, they got one or two names that, have, that are going to come out every year as well. Uh, yeah, I it's – I'm with you, but it, again, it's these dysfunctional franchises. Detroit, uh, I you could argue the Chargers a bit, I, but they're not really dysfunctional. They just have been good to mediocre to good every year, and that's dysfunction of its own. Yeah, yeah, the they're Chargers not a catastrophe. Are, yeah, they're a d- different. Jacksonville, kind of, but... right? Uh, Cleveland, in some ways, has been dysfunctional. I think they have to go offensive linemen, though. Yeah, you got to you got to finally. Uh, the Browns are great in the skill yeah. positions, but and so have, bad up front. You got to yeah, exactly. you got to help. You got to give him you gotta more than him two seconds to find Odell to find Jarvis. Uh, we have no idea what Gruden's going to do at twelve. I'm. I have no idea what Tampa Bay is thinking. 
I think Gruden's going to go. You speed. think he goes? I think, I think, think they're, they're going to get a receiver. Does he go Judy Lamb or Rugs? Because those are, I mean, Jefferson. I think he's going to go Lamb. I think Lamb is the best receiver. I think he has the highest in this, ceiling in yeah. this draft. Obviously, obviously, if you end up with Jerry Judy, you're yeah. not going to be kicking yourself. And they either. and they need they need another but, wide receiver. I think I like Derek Carr. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think with Jacobs too. If they do go Judy, you got that Jacobs Judy Alabama connection. Uh, Tampa Bay, what are you thinking they're gonna do? I don't know what ton. I they, feel they, like I think that they're gonna make a move to try yep. to sure up their offensive line because obviously you have a quarterback there that never has been known for his mobility, let alone mm-hmm. him as a forty-two-year-old. So I think they're they are good enough at the skill possession skill positions where they don't really need to draft speed or anything. Plus they just you know traded for Gronk and everything. So I think they're going to go offensive. I think they're going to go with an offensive tackle, whichever. Whichever one of the big four isn't off the board, yeah. I think that's I'd also where think. Go. Do you think later rounds they look at a guy like Jake Fromm? Just, just, uh, just. I, I don't know. I as far as later round quarterbacks, I like Jacob Eason more than I like Jake Fromm, which is ironic because Jake Fromm beat out Jacob Eason for the job at Jake Georgia. Jake Fromm beat out a as lot a of freshmen, so a little bit of irony there. Yeah, he beat out. He beat out yeah. Justin Fields and Jacob Eason. And Justin Fields is going to be a first-round pick whenever he declares for the draft. And now Jacob Eason, not a first-round pick, but uh, I think a guy that, you know, under – if he stays with Tampa Bay for a year or two, I could see him, you know, figuring it out to the point where he's competent and he's never going to be a superstar. But that's a later-round discussion. Uh, the Bucks aren't going to think about for, a quarterback. In, for sure. In, so, uh, early to rounds. recap, though, we have – or at least I have Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Okuda, unless – Chargers trade in um, Isaiah Simmons Tua at for the Dolphins. Then, unless the Chargers traded it, I think they take Worfs or Herbert at six. At seven, uh, I at the Panthers. I think they take Derek Brown, which is not too big of a jump for him. Um, I think he's a five to ten range talent in terms of picks. Uh, I would, yeah, I'd agree. He's Probably not at number four with the Giants. Um, I think he's going to be getting one or two Pro Bowls. He's going to be a solid five-year starter, though, for sure. Uh, he's not going to be someone you're going to be like, oh, why did we draft him? Um, and then I ha- I think it's O-line, O-line, O-line from, from eight to ten. All right, I have Burrow, Young, Akuda. I have the Giants taking Wurfs. The Dolphins taking two at five. Herbert right after, so back-to-back quarterbacks there. Um, Isaiah Simmons dropping all the way to seven at Carolina, which I think would be would be a good fit there. He can fill. I mean, he can the fill in the shoes. I, that I don't even Keekly need to talk left. about it. I, yeah. Oh, you don't I, think so? Oof, that's no. I mean, I mean, in terms of, of a leader a on of a the defensive side of the ball. A guy that knows that knows the game and can make every single play. I I don't want to Simmons can play linebacker. Like, I 
Yeah, but he's not. He's Luke Keekley is a tackling machine, and that's not Isaiah Simmons' game. Yet. I see. I think I think Simmons is going to be. I think Simmons is going to be just the jack of all trade, and not. You know, like he's basically Jabril Peppers, but better and in a bigger body. Right, but the thing then you do take the worry, and it is it's it's the only question about Isaiah Simmons because he plays all these positions. Does he? He doesn't have any of them completely. I think think he has linebackers down pat. And I agree. I can't believe it. I don't know. It sounds I, right to now to could, me. It sounds to like you're questioning Isaiah Simmons. No, not at all. Because I would love if the Giants picked him, but to um, to say he's going to walk in and immediately replace Luke Keekley is for a is recap a show. Bold, bold say, much to Brendan Meyer's chagrin, the Giants picked Isaiah Simmons at four. No shot. I'll I'll be one of the first people to to be rocking an Isaiah Simmons Giants jersey. I just I to say he's going to walk in and and fill Luke Keekley's void is, is I'm confident very tough. in that. But go so he go in your draft. You have him going at seven, and then it's an O line, O line, O line. I have I have the Cardinals taking um, fair of uh, Derek Brown. Fair. I for me for me I think it's so. because Kingsbury. Is there? I think, and you know, second-year quarterback. You've got all these weapons. I think he's going to look to protect. Yeah, and I could definitely see that happening. I, if if Derek Brown doesn't go there to the Cardinals, I think Derek Brown will go one to pick Jacksonville. Later. Jacksonville needs to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they, you're they, picking they, the best talent available. Yeah, because they just. Yeah, they got yeah. rid of Calais Campbell. Everything they're going to lose Yannick and Gakwe. So the fact that they could kind of replace the cupboard there would be important. So I think they would go Derek Brown. So I have Derek Brown getting drafted Great. by two different teams right now. For those for those keeping score at home, he'll be the first. He'll be a history. <laughs> nice, make history. nice. Uh, and then ten, you have an offensive lineman for Cleveland. Yeah, you have to. Okay. Yeah. So top ten, it's going to be a crazy draft. What's the biggest surprise you think is going to happen? Biggest surprise. Biggest surprise. Um, I I think the biggest surprise is that Isaiah Simmons is going to slip. I'm, yeah, I think that's a. I mean, four picks to me isn't that big of a slip, but it is. It's drastic. I think in some people's minds, it's drastic. We can, when you yeah, consider the exactly. talent of yeah, the player. Yeah. So they're going to be like, "Holy mm-hmm. cow! This dude just slipped to to seven. Like that. That's wild." But I also think um, most surprising is that there's not going to be as many trades as people are thinking. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, expand, please, because I'm thinking. Well, I just went my whole top ten. I didn't I, – I said there's possibility for trades, but I, do, there's, I did not predict well, one I, trade. Do you feel the same as me as if there's been not as much chatter on teams moving up or who they're going to take as in past years? That's yeah, yeah I'm, I, I think and it's I think <clears throat> the they there could be hella trades or there could be once again everyone could just stand pat. Do you think do you mm-hmm. think the technology has anything to do with that? Do you think people are like not going to be wanting to 
Do you think one like old GM's gonna be like, no, I... don't call that person? It, like, we're not taking any calls. It's gonna mess with our signal or something. Yeah, like the the wire tap, they're wire tapping or something. No, but I think I I wouldn't put it like that. But I do think the the different pre draft process is gonna affect how these GMs view some of the prospects so they're not going to be like we need mm, to trade up to yeah get they're not going to I mean because as you spend more time with the player you either become more enamored with him or you just yeah. sort of change your opinion you're like we don't like him as much yes and yeah yeah and when the second best quarterback prospect has a glaring hip injury that you really didn't get to do the hands-on research mm-hmm. that I'm sure most of these teams wanted to do and and really, because everything with Tua, not to his fault, I don't think his his camp was manipulating anything. Yeah. But everything was secondhand, you know. So the fact that a team might not be, the Dolphins might not be as comfortable giving up a haul to to move up a couple spots to take him, I think, is why the Dolphins might take the chance. And it's a little bit contradictory to what I was saying before that you take the, you know, you take every opportunity you can to draft a franchise quarterback. But with the injury, they might say, you know what, let's hold off. If he gets taken, we'll either move to Herbert, we like him a lot, or we start mm-hmm. building our lineup. Like, there's other options. So because the the GMs might not have been able to go through the normal scouting process, they might not be as willing mm. to give up a haul for prospects that they feel that they there's a lot of potential for. for a bit of chaos. But there's it's like the ceiling floor. It's there's. There's a very low ceiling, like there's a very low floor for chaos where it may just be no one, no one's really trading. You got a little late around stuff, but nothing crazy. Or it could be someone we're not even thinking of jumps up to take with trades with Detroit to take Tua. Yeah, I'm also really looking forward to what I mentioned at the top of the show. I want to see. I, I love the chaos. chaos. I, I want suspect activities. I want a GM to purposely turn his Wi-Fi off during a pick. Goes to Goodell, says we're having technical difficulty. They get a couple extra minutes and work out like a ridiculous. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, what I'm rooting for. I think. I, I'm rooting I for I chaos as well. It's going to be a fun draft. Uh, it's good. I mean, if only because it's the first bit of sports. In forever, uh, the the last yeah. dance can only do so much. Well, like this, this is one of the deeper drafts that I've that we've been alive that, for. That like, is actually that's said something too. I was th- I, when I'm when I'm listing O lineman, O lineman, O lineman, and it's and none of like, and I'm not listing names. I think that's that's basically out for our audience. That's me saying it doesn't really matter because each one of them is probably going to be a lock. Yeah. The thing with Worf's Thomas wills. And Beckton, what are, what are you trying like, to do with really your a skill question type deal? Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. some are more versatile than others. So do you value that versatility or do you want a guy that's just a mauler that, you know, you can plug and, and part- play in the left tackle and be a monster. But it is it is it's not a skill thing. And the other thing is you're gonna find Pro Bowl wide receivers you're gonna in find, the third and fourth yeah. round of this draft. Mm-hmm. Like the wide receiver the, class. The one is weak loaded. spot. I mean, there are some good backs. I think J.K. Dobbins is the most surefire back. He just I think he has it. I'm a Wisconsin guy. 
I like Jonathan Taylor. I don't think he has the it factor as much as J.K. Dobbins. Uh, However, yeah, I think part of the reason there's such a low floor for the chaos level is because the draft is so deep. Yeah, you got A.J. Dillon, who was an absolute monster at Boston College, who you could pick up as a middle-round running back. Cam Akers, another guy from Florida State you could find, is is a middle-round running back. There's so many opportunities that even in the weak spots, the one place I, I do think this is not the strongest draft, and it's not to say these players are bad, is aside from Isaiah Simmons and Patrick Queen from LSU, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure I'm sold on the linebackers. Which, which is unfortunate as a Giant fan because, as I said, linebacker has been a weak spot. They did sign Kyler Fackrell and Blake Martinez, you, but you would like to really uh, stock up on some debt there. Hopefully Ryan Connolly comes back from his torn ACL. Showed a lot of promise, but unfortunately – Listen, Wisconsin guys will get to year. the later rounds. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably going to fall to the second round. I think – but I also think guys like Zach Bond and, as I said, Tyler Baidez, I think those guys are going to be available – Round, I think they should be selected in the second and third rounds. I think they probably, I think Baidez and Bond particularly are going to be fourth and fifth. But I also think you got to, if you get those guys in the fourth round, first pick of the fourth round, I'd take them. Yeah, I, th- I think in three or four years, you're going to look at the 2020. NFL draft and remember it not just because it was a virtual draft going on during all the coronavirus stuff, but because there's so much talent. I mean, I, Cole Komet, a, a great tight end at Notre Dame that you'll be able to find maybe in the second or third round. KJ Hamler, a playmaker from Penn State that you'll be able to find maybe not in in the later rounds, but in the late first, early second. I mean, uh, round Pat, like that. There's Patrick so Queen at linebacker. You got Justin draft. Jefferson, who's who's who would probably be. I mean, I feel like in last year's draft, he might have been the best receiver. But, I, yeah, you've got you've got all this. Yeah, what, what hurts exactly. him is he's got C.D. And that's, Henry that's Ruggs unbelievable. And I'm sort of hoping yeah. that – and we're, we're completely not even mentioning T. Higgins. T. Higgins, tall. Yeah. Like the dude's 6'4". He's what you want in a receiver. I think he'd be a top 15 pick in any, almost any other draft. And once again, I think this goes to you don't have the in-person uh, ability to check people out. And I think so you don't become enamored with prospects as much. But, the, yeah, the talent in this, it's – you've got secondary talent. You've got running back depth. Edge rushers, you've got a lot. I, I think it's, it's. I think we could look back on this draft and say, yeah, this draft was like the two thousand three NBA draft. Yeah, because even then you got like AJ Espinenza from Iowa, who's who's going to be a terrific edge rusher. You know, he was a top ten pick in early mock drafts during the college football season. Then all of a sudden he slips down, not because he didn't perform, because other guys are like this just draft is just so loaded. And then you got, you know, Tua uh, declares. You've got Noah Igbenohe from Auburn, who is a lockdown corner in the SEC. And he's like, 
Yeah, yeah there's, there's going to be a which lot is of what's making steals. it so exciting. I also think, like, I think Jalen Hurts is going to. Jalen Hurts is just going to be a second, third rounder. And it's tough because I've always rooted for him, but I don't know if he has it. Yeah, that they, he every indication that he's a you know absolutely tremendous person and a great teammate. The, what you worry is that if the game's on the line, would he be able to make that you know seventeen yard throw to the opposite Accurately, stick? Yeah, yep, yeah, and to get a, a crucial third down. It's, yeah, this this draft is just mad stacked. I and the the dysfunctional franchises are at a premium. Yeah, but it's exactly, tough for them to exactly, mess up it's so it's all about how stretch. they end up utilizing it. Which is why the other thing I was looking for at the top of the show: who gets a pass three years from now because he he plays the well. We didn't it get depends. the normal scouting process card. So that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. Before we get out of here, Declan, give me one name of one player that you think is going to be a sleeper. It could be a first-round pick that's going to be a sleeper. It could be uh, I an think Antoine Winfield Jr. Is, should be – I think he's going to be one of the best safeties drafted in this draft. Uh, I think he's going to have a solid – he might have like a one Pro Bowl career, but I think he'll be like that 10-year starter. You could move you out listen, onto the West I Coast. I like the Midwest just, style. Midwest guy listen, if there's not like snow on the ground, you're a Midwest. I'm pissed. Well, at least during football season. Yeah, I mean, I, you have you have a pool of who, 200 who, who's players. Your player? and who's I'm sorry. your sleeper? A, who's your a player? player who's your Minnesota? My player is a guy that I watched at the University of Tennessee. Edge rusher Daryl Taylor. I think he's got some technical things that he needs to work out, but just the pure the pure football instinct that he has. He didn't put up massive numbers as far as sacks at Tennessee, but I think he's going to be a really productive player. And if he gets with a good coaching staff, <laughs> Bill Belichick, that can really they can really develop you know that technical ability where he he's able to be more effective and efficient with his hand movements when trying to get I- off block. I think he's going to be a dangerous player. So more than Bill, anything, you know, I'm just Bill, excited you know for there to, to be sports track. happening, um, even if it's not actual sports happening. I also yeah. when, going back to the to the who gets the excuse. It depends. Well, I think it depends on the dysfunction of ownership. So, like Jacksonville might give their GM a pass just because they've been so dysfunctional. I don't. I. Yeah, it, in year three of the Yannick Ngakwe saga, when he still hasn't played in in three seasons, I think you know I think they're say, so oh, tied. Really I think on the Raiders are so tied to Gruden. But two, three years down, if 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 the Raiders go four and twelve and six and ten in the next two years, I think Gruden gets the boot. But if they go eight and eight and nine and seven. Even with that ridic- even that ridiculous contract, you think the- I, no, they're going to eat it for if, a couple more seasons. What's crazy is if Tampa Bay does nothing now, like if Tampa Bay, I think there's still a possibility Tampa Bay struggles to make the playoffs. 
We'll save this discussion. We'll save this discussion for Tuesday. Yeah, no, they will. And it's no, I. Yeah, but we asked because I 100% agree with you, and yeah. it has nothing to do with Except them. for the, the East. NFC is low. <laughs> and, and because of how good the Saints are, the, the, the division is no guarantee. And again, we will get into it more on Tuesday. <laughs> we call that a tease in the Top self teases, baby. But there's going to be. They're going to be fighting for a wild card yeah, spot with, I don't with other really good teams division. in the NFC. Yeah, if they if Tom signed with an with an NFC East team, hand, there's no even point of playing. Hand him the hand him the division title. Cool with me, but because he signed in the NFC South, with I still think the Saints are the I'm favorite. With you. I'm tough. with you. Do we have any? Do we have any final? Any final comments? Sorry to Matt Rule. We'll get you in next time, but. I, we're you. We'll be texting during this. Yeah, we'll be texting during it, and we'll be back. We'll be recording on Tuesday night to talk about how wrong our top ten was, and we'll give an update if the Giants do draft him on my Isaiah Simmons jersey. But I, I think that'll do yeah. it for the pre-draft yeah, shows. Thank, it was yeah, a ton of fun. All right, signing off. And we'll, yeah, we'll be back on. Wednesday, we'll record on Tuesday night to go over some of these picks. But for now, Dex, stay safe. Bye-bye.